There's a story that we read in the Gospels. And in the book of Luke, there's a time that Jesus has done a tremendous work walking out his ministry daily. For three years, he started his ministry, and for three years, he completed it. You look at the amount of work that Jesus did in just three years is amazing. And what that tells me is that the need was just as great then as it is now. Because daily he was encountering hurts. Daily he had to teach. Daily he had to set those free that were bound. Some would say, well, that was 2,000 years ago. What does it pertain for today? Well, daily do you find people that are bound up and need freedom? Daily do you find people that are sick and hurting? And yes, yes, we do. Daily he ministered. Daily he touched lives. Daily the authority and power that was given to him by his father, he used for the glory of his father. And it's the same power and authority that we have available to us to daily touch lives. I've been so, and I've talked, I feel like a broken record sometimes. Just, that's really old school. Do you guys know what a broken record is? Should I explain that? Caleb, do you know what a broken record is? Okay, so a broken record, they used to have these round things. They're called records. <laughs> and they go around and around and around, and not CDs, they're bigger. And they had grooves in them, groovy, huh? And <laughs> CDs break too, yeah, yeah. So I don't want to sound like a broken CD or a broken record. But that's what it was. They'd get to a place where it just say the same thing over and 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 over. And it was just about that annoying and over and over and over. Yeah, you have to beat on the table or something to make the needle skip so it would actually, boy, how far we've come. I mentioned something about, you know, young people today wonder why we say we have to tape things. And they're thinking, well, are you wrapping presents or, or are you fixing something with duct tape? No, I have to tape something. Exactly. Are you fixing? No, I have to tape it. Well, what are you talking about? Tape it. I have to record it. But think about how generations have changed. But even in the midst of the change of generation to generation, guess what still exists? The need and the power and authority to meet the need. That part hasn't stopped. It's going to continue until the beginning of eternity. And we have the ability to meet the need. Earlier, when I said I don't want to sound like a broken record, I've been saying over and over again, what is your purpose? Are you willing to risk everything? We, we get so distracted, and this is the broken record part. We get so distracted by life. For three years, Jesus walked out this ministry. And in three years, do you think distractions tried to enter into his life? I mean, stop and think about it. 
Jesus was all man, yet he was all God. But because he was all man, guess what he had to do? He had to eat food. Have you ever ate something bad? It kind of messes with you, doesn't it? I mean, someone said, now, this isn't Bible. This is not written in the Gospels. I'm not. But stop and think about what it means to be all man. Well, all man means that there's distractions in life. It's because of our flesh that distractions creep in. Well, I have to believe that he had that too. And because of the distractions of life, we tend to wander away from our purpose. But yet, because he was all man, and yet he was still all God, he was still able to stay focused on his mission. So Jesus, I'm going to take, actually, let's go to this verse. This is a, this is in a time in Jesus' life. He um, became a man. He was a roughly 30 years of age. And he uh, encountered his cousin, John the Baptist. Jesus went to John the Baptist, was baptized. And, and he came up out of the water. And it was a public uh, display of his obedience to his father. But it was also a point in time that, that he obediently honored his father through baptism. But then his father also looked down upon him and said, this is my son. And he sent a dove, which represented the Holy Spirit at that time. And then after this whole scene passed, Jesus goes off into the wilderness. Ooh, that's a whole other message right there. Jesus went into the wilderness to learn and grow. Now, have you ever been in that wilderness, that lost place, where, see, where seeming th- seemingly things are dark or dry? A wilderness experience is this experience where things are dark, things are dry. It seems like nothing good is going to happen when you're in the wilderness. Because you can't see anything because of the trees or because of the issues in life. But I contend that the wilderness has to happen in everybody's life. Because for life to really, for a person's life to really grow and develop, they have to be able to go to a place that's a wilderness experience. Because it's in the wilderness that you learn that life is bigger than you and you have to submit to something that's bigger than life. See, Jesus went into the wilderness and fasted and submitted his whole flesh, his whole man, to God. He comes out of the wilderness, and then what happens? He's at his weakest moment, and he's tempted. And he overcomes the temptation. Why? Because I believe it was because of the relationship with God's glory and the growth that happened in the wilderness. Now, Yes, it's Jesus, and he's God, and he was going to be able to overcome anything. But I think it's the same for us, though. When you go to that wilderness experience, it's God preparing you for the temptation. And when you come out of that wilderness, you'll be tempted. But you can overcome the temptation. But then his ministry starts. And that's where I want to go. Luke chapter 4, verse, we'll go to verse 18. 
Now, Jesus had walked into the synagogue, the, the temple of that day it was the Sabbath. So for us in modern day, it would be he walked into the church on a Sunday. But it wasn't just any old church. It was where all the, the leaders were, the, the ones that knew the word of God. And that day, it wasn't, a, wasn't what we have as far as the Bible. It wasn't all revealed yet back then. They had less of a Bible, and it was primarily what was written by Moses. We would call it the Pentateuch. And, and so Jesus walks in, and he knew it. He un, and it was on a scroll, and he undoes the scroll. And in the scroll, they had the Pentateuch, and they had prophets that had written and I don't know if it was all in the same scroll. I, I haven't studied that part, but there could have been many scrolls. But he looked at the part that Isaiah had wrote. Now, Isaiah was a prophet. Isaiah was somebody that would hear from the Lord and then share it. And so what he did was he reads from the scroll that Isaiah had written. And Isaiah had written many years before, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this was not Isaiah talking of himself. He was prophesying that there would be a day that a man would come. And a man would fulfill this. And that man was Jesus So it was Jesus that enters into the scene. Jesus opens up the scroll. Jesus, the man this describes, reads to the church, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Good news to the poor is hope to the hopeless. Then he goes on. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then verse 20 is my favorite part, because in today's day, this is a mic drop moment. He takes and says, so, and then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. He says, this is who I am. This is why I'm here. Enough said. Dropped it and sat down. He spoke truth. But then here was the rub. Now they had to choose to receive it. In our life, where are you at? Are you poor in spirit and do you need good news? Will you receive it? Do you feel bound up and captive? Because he's proclaimed liberty over that. Will you receive it? Are you blind in physical or in spiritual? Because he's come to recover the sight for the blind. Will you receive it? He came to set liberty to those that are oppressed. Will you receive it? He came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Will you receive it? What is God's favor? Will you receive his favor? How do you receive God's favor? 
Well, you have to take up your cross daily. Deny yourself. and Let him give you favor. Because when we hold on to our own life and try to find favor in our own life, what happens is then we end up with our favor, which pales in comparison to his favor. Now, he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. His ministry begins. Jesus goes out from that place, and he goes out and he starts, and just to fast forward through the Gospels, he goes and finds his disciples. Along the way, he's healing the sick. Those that are lame, he's causing them to walk again. He's teaching people how to live a Christ-like, godly-like life. He, he raises people from the dead. Oh, that's the same thing that's available to us today. But people didn't like it. People rejected it. It says in scriptures that He would be the stone that the builders rejected. Today, people are still rejecting Jesus and what's available to to them, from him, for them. People will reject it. But there's also another thing going on in the world today that's sad as well. People haven't been given an opportunity to reject him because it hasn't been shared. So all that Jesus did that for people to see, jealousy crept in, it got ugly, and people wanted to trip him up, fake him out, do him in. They wanted to prove that he wasn't what he was. Sometimes people hold on so strongly to their own made-up belief that they become so territorial over their own belief that they won't give up territory for truth to enter in. They became so territorial about their activity, their religious acts. See, it was spiritual leaders of that day that said, no, we reject the truth that's found in Jesus. He's not the Messiah. He's not the chosen one. He's not the one that can heal, even though he has. He's not the one that can raise the dead even though he has, because what happened is they became so territorial about their own beliefs that truth could not penetrate the territory. Oh, it was sad. Because here is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, clothed in humility, that put all of humanity before himself was amongst us, was present with us, and available to be with. I mean, imagine that. Here's the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He was available to walk up to and sit down with and talk to and be in his presence. But he was rejected. Now, there was another prophecy that had to be fulfilled. And that was the prophecy that was fulfilled at the cross. You see, God had chosen some people. These chosen people were what we would call the people of Israel. And he gave them many times over and over and over again the opportunity to accept 
their identity as the chosen people. And they would fail. And then they would come back around and then they'd fail again. They would sin. See, the problem is sin. And so that would separate them from the Lord. But then the day came that that God said, you know, I'm going to make a final way. You guys have heard this over and over again, but what was it that had to happen for sin to be cleansed? Blood had to be spilled. And so years and years had gone by of spilling blood, sacrificing animals to cover sins so they could go and sin again and then have to sacrifice again. And finally, God says, no, I am going to make a way once and for all. And then he sent this son. And during that three years of his son's ministry, not just... He didn't just send his son and say, okay, hang out until I sacrifice you. No, he told Jesus, now go out and be me amongst my people. It says that Jesus was an exact imprint of his father. So what is his father's heart? His father's heart is to set free those that are captive, to heal those that are sick, to train up people in the ways of his, his ways. Ways of the Lord. That's his heart. And his heart is one that he wanted to be with his people, not the Lord over the people. See, that was the the other issue is that next Sunday we're going to talk about Palm Sunday. And it's the day that Jesus, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, rides in in a white stallion. No. He rode in on a humble donkey. And that irritated them because their king of kings, the one that was going to save them. No, 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 no. He was going to come in on a stallion. See, there was times before that when things like this happened, conquerors would come through and save the lands. What would happen was they would come then and celebrate who they were by riding in on a donkey. So they assumed that if Jesus was going to come in as a conqueror to save them in the place that they were at. He would also come in on a stallion, but no, no, he came in on a donkey. Because God wants to put us and our needs before his own needs. What's it mean to be Christ-like? What's it mean to be called a Christian? It really does mean putting our needs before or putting everybody else's needs before our own. That wasn't good enough. And so they march him before Pilate. He's judged. The very one that gave us life was judged by the life that he gave. How messed up is that? He gave us life, but yet the life that he's given us, we'll take that same life and judge him. Well, some would say, no, I don't judge him. Every time you choose to do your own will over his, you've made a judgment. You see, those people that rejected Jesus and said, no, you're going to go hang on a cross The very breath that they used to speak those words was the breath that his father had given them. 
it's so messed up. Some would say, well, I would never do that. Keep in mind, every breath that proceeds from your mouth is a breath that God gave you. What comes out of your mouth? Consider that. And I want to go to the day of crucifixion. Next Friday is what we call Good Friday. And there's debate as to whether or not it was Thursday or Friday. It happened. Whatever day it happened on it happened. But there was a day that the sacrifice was going to happen. And there was a tremendous amount of events leading up to it. Many of those events demonstrated God's heart for you. But he gets to the point where they have beat him beyond recognition. With the same hands that God had created. He was so weak. That he couldn't hardly carry his own weight. Nevertheless, the weight of the cross. I shared earlier that we're asked to take up our cross daily and follow him. And the weight of taking up that cross can be a heavy weight because we have a lot of things in our lives that we don't want to deny. He took on the weight of the world. As he's heading with that cross beam on his shoulders and he's walking to the hill of Golgotha. God's faithfulness in the midst of tragedy is awesome. One of the most tragic moments in all of history, in all of time, was happening right at that very moment. But yet God was still changing lives in the midst of it all. There's a man. Chapter 23, verse 26. It says, and as they led him away, they seized one, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. See, the cross had gotten so heavy that he couldn't carry it any longer. So they pulled this guy that was coming in from the country. I imagine it was one of those days where he was just doing his daily business and he stumbles into a lot of traffic. What's going on? And as he's standing there, he gets pulled upon to, to come over and help Jesus carry this cross. That moment was such an awesome moment because in the midst of that tragedy, what happened was Simon was the father of other sons. These sons later became disciples. A generation of family was impacted in that very moment, the moment that Simon was asked to take up that cross and help Jesus. It changed the whole family. Because see, you got to remember that in those days that Simon, if he was a farmer or a rancher or whatever that might have been, his sons were destined to do the same as their father. Their past and their future were going to be one in the same. But on that road, as they pull Simon in and say, hey, you're going to help him carry this cross, what happened? It changed the destiny of his sons. And his sons then became followers of Jesus, later to be known as disciples. Jesus takes that to the hill. They raise him up. They nail him to the cross, and he hangs on the cross. And why is it such a tragedy? 
this part of the story really gets to me. In chapter 23 again, is it 23? Yeah. It wasn't just him there that day. There was two other men. Both of them were robbers. They had done wrong, and they were paying for what they had done. So it says in verse 32, two others were criminals, were led away to put to death with him, to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, the hill of Golgotha, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. I think the thing that just tears me up to think about it, these are the same people that God created, rejecting his son. <laughs> and what did they want? They just wanted his garments. What was offered? Power and authority in his glory. And they settled for his garments. What are you settling for? See, as believers, sometimes we'll just say we're going to be just believers and we're going to settle for that. But God said, no, I'm going to offer you power and authority. I'm going to let you be a part and be in the midst of my glory. But they want to settle for his garments. And Jesus said, again, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, if he's all powerful, let him take care of himself. Mm. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. I picture that, and again, this was the Sunday school picture. On one side of the cross, you had a robber or a criminal. And then on the other side of the cross, you had another robber or criminal. And both of them knew their fate. They had already been crucified, which meant they had already been hung on the cross to die. The death sentence was finished. Now it was just a matter of the last breath to come. They knew their fate. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. A heart that was so hardened, a person that was so wrought with anger and, and shame, would rail at their Savior that was hanging next to them. But the other criminal rebuked him, saying, 
Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. At least he took notice of Jesus and what Jesus had done. He knew that he had done wrong. He didn't understand why Jesus was hanging on the cross. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Even to the last minute of fulfilling prophecy, even to the last minute of of that final sacrifice for all of humanity, God was still given the opportunity to minister to those that were around him. And the criminal says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. What that tells us is there's always. There's always an opportunity for hope. Hope never leaves us. Yet it can be rejected. Last week, I spoke a message that was direct. This message is sad because it's the day our king died. But wherein lies the hope? The hope lies in the fact that we can be in paradise. What he did that day, he did for you. What he did that day, he did for all of humanity. What he carried up the hill was the sins of the world. Do you know what hung on that cross? What of it do you still hang on to? Because I would contend that it's, it's selfish rejection of what was available to us as believers. Any time that we hang on to that which he died for. Selfishly, we reject him. Don't reject him. Because he loves you so, so much. That more than the glory of the sunrise or the sunset was the glory of his son, beaten beyond recognition, hung on a cross naked and ashamed so that we would not have to experience that same nakedness or shame. It's a beautiful story. And it's absolutely true. We, God's people, are called by his name to humble ourselves, to pray, Seek his face, turn from our wicked ways. That's what we're to do. So he can heal this land. If I could have the band come. This week and the week after. The week after is what we call Passion Week. 
It's the week that we look at the Gospels and all that Jesus did. But it's really the week from the day he enters into Jerusalem riding on a donkey to the day that he hangs on the cross, put in a tomb, and then resurrected. It's we look at the true passion of our Savior. But you as believers, what I want you to consider is this. What of your life demonstrates a true, true picture of how much you appreciate what he did for you on that cross? Let's pray. Hallelujah. Jesus. 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 The cross is where your son hung so that we, beyond the cross, could participate in your kingdom. But it's good, Lord, for us to go back and reflect on what happened at the cross. And to remember that all was paid for at the cross. It was paid for so that we could have freedom to walk out a kingdom living life. We don't have to allow the baggage, the baggage of our thoughts and the baggage of sin to prevent us from being able to walk out a kingdom life because of the promise of the sacrifice hung on that cross. We're free, free indeed, to live a life fully devoted to you, God. Lord, we want to have a life that's fully devoted to you. Oh, Lord, take up my vain imaginations. Help me not to focus on the things of this world, but focus on the things of your world. Oh, Lord, take those things from me that are holding me back and hindering me from walking out the life that you intended us to walk out. It's because of selfishness and rejection of you, Lord, is why we hang on to them. And Lord, I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to reject you. You paid a price. That was more than I could ever fathom. Because you love us so. And you want us to fully embrace you for who you are and what you have for us. Lord, speak to our hearts. Spirit, reveal to us what are the things that are keeping us from being able to move forward. What are the things that we need to know we're hung on that cross and we no longer need to hang on to? Give us a glimpse of what freedom looks like. Give us a glimpse of what kingdom living looks like for our own lives as individuals. And reveal to us what it is that's holding us back. And then, Lord, in your faithfulness, in your righteousness, take that from us as we humbly give it to you. Lord, I want to see the city saved, but I know how much I want to see it. Pales 
pales in comparison to how much you want to see it. Lord, all the times that we doubted, heal our doubt and forgive us for it. Set us free, Lord, to worship you. May your glory be known in this town, in this region. Who here amongst us has been stuck in the wilderness? Or maybe you've come out of the wilderness and now you're being tempted. And maybe the temptation is just this. Do I continue to live as I've always lived or do I set more apart and live more for him? you all stand. Hear me out. There's times that in my own life, and I'm being very, very, very transparent, I will suffer from or struggle with pride. And not pride in that I want to be well known, but pride in I have my agenda. And I want to see my agenda fulfilled. But that's very much like the Pharisees were in that day. They rejected Jesus because they had their agenda. And so I've had to pray a prayer, and it's a simple prayer. It's more of you and less of me. More of you, Lord, less of me. More of you, less of me. More of you, less of me. It's not a one-time prayer. It's an all-the-time thing. Daily, it says, take up your cross. Daily, I have to pray more of you, less of me. And then what happens, my agenda creeps back in again. And in holding on to my agenda, I begin to reject him. And then I have to pray again. More of me, or more of you, less of me. More of you, Lord. More of you, less of me. Will you join with me and commit to praying that prayer daily with me? Because I know this, is that when we as individual believers honestly, wholeheartedly pray that prayer, more of you, Lord, less of me, God, guess what will happen? The Lord of that favor, the heavenly favor, the godly favor, not so you can have your agenda realized, but his favor for you to go and express what his glory is all about happens. You know, it talks about counting the cost. And the cost, as it reads in Luke, was leave behind your family. Think, man, that's a hard word, Lord. I love my family. I don't want to leave them behind and just come after you. But what he's saying, if you are willing to do that, if you will come to that place of that level of commitment, he also, the God of favor, will provide you with the family that he designed for you. Is it a different family? No, it's probably the same. But because of the example you've walked out, they now are the family that God created them to be. The same folks. But kingdom living folks. But you have to count the cost. 
Are you willing to leave behind even your family to go after your maker? Oh, it's a hard word. It demands commitment. I contend this. The reason that we haven't seen what we'll deem as revival is because we haven't yet fully committed. Now, it's weird because somebody said, okay, I'll fully commit so we can have revival. No, he wants you to fully commit because you have a heart for him. He wants your all. What's it look like? It looks like taking up your cross, walking up your hill of Golgotha, and leaving your old self there. You know, after Jesus died, was put in the tomb and resurrected and came back, they said they couldn't even recognize him because he was perfect. I've seen times where people have accepted the Lord as their Savior, and their whole countenance changes. They're not the same anymore. Why? That's the changing glory. That's God's favor. That's them going from the old life into a new. Will you pray that prayer with me? More of you, God, less of me. More of you, God, less of me. More of you, God, less of me. It says in your word that from glory to glory, you're changing us. It's not a one-time thing. It's a continuous thing. Oh, hallelujah. Is there anybody here that has to answer a call? I don't want to leave today without giving opportunity. Has the Holy Spirit revealed to you something in your life you've just hung on to for way too long? In fact, it's so big you don't know if you can let go of it. Where two or three are gathered in His name, He's here in our midst. And in that, there's power and authority for you to be able to give up what it is you've been holding on to. We want to pray with you. We want to agree with you to be set free. I'm excited for what's on the horizon. I, I know we're, I, I keep going on and on, but hear, hear this. What is on the horizon? For the people of Israel, it was this land called the promised land. And the promised land was a land that said it was so rich that it was a land flowing with milk and honey. The, the harvest was great. It says that the, that the, the vine, uh, grape, the grapes on the vine were so big and so heavy and so plentiful that it took more than one man to carry them. Oh, what a blessed place the promised land must be. And that's what's available to us if we don't hang out in the wilderness. If we don't reject our king of kings. Do you want to enter into the promised land? Then you got to leave behind the other. All through the service, I've been impressed with the fact that so often as Christians, 
we think that, well, we're doing good things. And when we say more of you, God, and less of me, as we were hearing about our agenda, well, our agenda can be really good things, but maybe it's not God's agenda. And Satan is really smart because he knows that as a Christian, I'm going to recognize what's evil. I'm going to recognize what I shouldn't be doing. But am I going to recognize what crept in as good things that are a distraction to what he really called me to do? And can I give up those good things that I really love? And I think that that's where we are today, is that God says, are you willing to give up even those things that feel good or those things that you think I put there? Question it. Is it from God or is it from my own heart's desire? That's how we do. This last week, I had a really hard time studying. God had me read the Gospels, all of them. And then what I began to realize is that's because he wanted me to know the Gospels, all of it. And then when I got to the place where Simon is pulled out of the crowd to help carry that cross... Now, as mom was just talking, what Simon was doing something good. He was working. But something happened in that time when he was bearing that cross that, he th- that everything got put into perspective. The right perspective. The perspective of, yes, I'm working hard. I'm providing for my family. I'm raising my sons. But you know what? There's something greater. What is the greater? There's a book that's written. It's a self-help business type book. It's called Good to Great. Stop settling for good because great is in store. That's what happened to Simon on that day. What he was doing was good. But when he left, he realized there's something great that needs to happen. And because greatness now became the perspective he had, it changed the destiny for generation to generation. Stay in your seats and bow your heads for me, if you would. Every eye closed, every head bowed, because I want you to, this is the moment. And I'm not going to have you take it lightly, because if you don't raise your hand, I'll respect that. But if you raise your hand and don't do it, I can't respect that. Are you willing to lay down the agenda of good and pick up your call to be great. If that's you, would you raise your hand?
Dear God, you see the response. More of you, less of me, Lord. <laughs> oh, God. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity to decide whether or not we're going to enter into the promised land or not. And then I thank you, Lord, for fulfilling your promise. in that promised land. Now, Lord, I pray for the spirit of protection to come upon each and every one of those that have demonstrated their heart's desire to be great for you, Lord. Lord, I come against the enemy that would try to distract them and take away their resolve. Lord, place resolve in their heart. There is no kingdom that can come against your kingdom. And they, as being a part of your kingdom now, the enemy has no rule, no authority, no power over them. Keep us tight-knit as a family. Keep us tight-knit as your people so we can help one another, support one another. Lift each other up as we pursue greatness for you. And then finally, God, we honor you that in the midst of rejection, you walked out what you promised for us, and that was eternal life and the opportunity to be one with you. I thank you, God, that even in the midst of rejection and being spat upon and being beaten and being cursed at and being kicked, oh, God, in the midst of that, you loved us so much. I, I just have to know that our faces flashed before your eyes, that I'm doing it for you and you and you and you. And guess what? On the other side of this cross, guys, is kingdom living and eternity with me. Thank you, God. You're an awesome God. We praise you. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. I'm going to encourage you. There was lots of hands that went up, which is very, very exciting. But now it's time to start walking it out. More of you daily, Lord. Less of me daily. Take up my cross daily, Lord. Deny myself and I'm coming after you, Lord. Gather when we gather. Scatter when we scatter. But be sure to come back and gather when we gather. Because that's wherein we'll grow and find strength to scatter again. God bless you. Have a great day. We look forward to next Sunday, Palm Sunday. God bless you.